Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. Today, we've got a great podcast which walks you through how to connect, convert, and catalyze conversation through copy. And yes, this means how to get more conversions, how to possibly make more money with your copy. So to bring us through today's episode, I'm really happy to have Crystal Adair Benning, a word magician, story supercharger, copywriter, ghostwriter for rebels, misfits, and word-changing humans. She is best known for being not known at all, a secret weapon among successful entrepreneurs who covet her quantum copy method, combining the science of writing with the spirituality of creativity, a multiple New York Times bestselling ghostwriter, and formerly highly sought-after luxury event planner, Crystal finds joy in being an intuitive creative, digital nomad, free to explore the globe with her husband, dog, and laptop. So, I met Crystal a couple of months ago at Selena Sue's Mastermind, and I am like in love with this woman. She is so good. She will walk you through what copy means, how to make it your own, and how to talk to your customers. Now, aside from all of this wonderfulness, and you'll hear throughout the podcast, on August, the last week of August, I think on the 31st, she is having a free three-hour masterclass word magician copywriting workshop. You guys, it's free. She's going to take you through everything. So you can head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Go to the uh, show notes for today's episode and click on for her free three-hour workshop. You can also go to wordmagiccopywriting.com and you'll sign up. It's like a wait list. You'll sign up for the wait list. And you guys, three free hours with a copywriting expert. I know I am no copywriting expert. So if you want to have better copy for your website, your sales page, your funnels, your social media, check out her free class that is going to be the last week of August, either the 30th or the 31st. Otherwise, enjoy today's episode. Hey, Crystal, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on today to talk all about copy. So thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. This is definitely an area where it is a weakness of mine and dare I say weakness of a lot of people, certainly in my profession of physical therapy. And I'm sure you hear that all the time, not like that's anything new. Um, but before we go on, I want you to define what copy is. Oh, great question. So copy is literally the words that you use to market your business. So it can be your website, your emails, your social media an ebook you use, a book you write. Um, it could be literally like an ad that you run on social media might be copy. So copy is all of those things we think about, the words that come out of our mouth when we're talking to our clients, but when we put it down on paper, it becomes copy because it's something that somebody can refer to and use. Perfect. And how important is that for a business? 
let's let's essential. get into this. Yes, <laughs> essential, right? Super essential. important. Super important. And here's another question that might seem like a dumb question, but how can copy be used to make a connection with your audience, maybe make that sale? What is the purpose? So when we write copy, the best copy that we write isn't actually about us. It's for the humans that we're writing for. So I teach a lot of times about the idea of it being a love letter. So if you think about the average client that emails you and maybe they email you and say, Hey, I've got this problem and my back's sore and this and that, and I need, I'm struggling with this. And how do I do it? You might immediately hit reply and just say, yeah, book an appointment in my calendar. Here you go. Right? Like that could be an option. What if we instead decided to treat it like copy and use the love letter principle, love letter language and saying, Hey, I'm really sorry that your back hurts. That's awful. I know how challenging that can be. And we definitely want to take care of you. Here's a link to my website. I would recommend we get you in within the next six to seven days, because that's probably when the pain's going to feel worse. And when we have the most opportunity to fix it by simply adding words to the copy, you're still getting across the exact same message, but there's a level of I've got you that we feel in a love letter. If you think to any love letter you've ever received, what's the underlying tone? It's your magic. You're amazing. I love you. And I got you. And so if you can impart that into the language that you're writing, whether it's a website, an email, your social media copy, a book, your audience literally feels that vibration and it starts to pull them in because suddenly they now feel what? They feel seen. They feel taken care of, supported. They feel comfortable with you. They're willing to say, hey, I may not know this human yet, but they're inviting me into their space. They're welcoming me and that feels good. And so they will actually move toward you instead of against you. So that's one of the ways that I would highly recommend we use it. Yeah. And in the physical therapy, I'm a physical therapist. So in physical therapy and in healthcare, I would say a lot of people, when they're coming to see us, they're in a point where they're feeling vulnerable, where they may be in pain. They may not be at their best. And so I like how you describe it as a love letter because we're trying to tell them like, it's okay for you to be open with us. Do you have any other examples of how we might be able to convey that to someone who's feeling maybe at their worst? Yes, so absolutely. So what we need to do first and foremost, and this is where the psychology kind of takes over. So my work is a lot of science meets spiritual to kind of combine it all together and create what I call word magic. And this is the science piece of it. So each of your clients already comes in, they have a belief that they currently believe, right? They're living in a system, they have an understanding of the world around them, they have a perspective of their values of the beliefs that they believe in. So on a very basic level, because we've got a short window of time, I'm going to give you the there's like eight levels, So I'm going to give you the overview. So in level one, we're basically survivors. These are babies. Um, oftentimes, if we're in a really traumatic situation, if you're a refugee, for example, if you're homeless, you might become this person. Your whole goal is to get your basic needs met and actually survive, right? Your belief is just, I need to survive, period. In level two, I call this cult cohesion. We have a desire to fit in. We're learning all about rules and how we fit into society, how we fit in with our families, how we fit in with our communities. These are the reason we call it a cult cohesion is because often if you've ever joined a cult, not all of us have, but if you've been part of a cult, 
there's a very strong belief system around the rules of that cult and fitting into that cult. People often don't leave because they're going to be excommunicated, right? And so that's kind of the second level. It's that real bonded level. Level three, we go up and these are black sheets. Think teenagers, right? When we're teenagers, think of that angst, right? But we're recognizing that we have special gifts and we're different than those around us. We're the black sheep of our family. You'll often hear that come out. We're searching for our gifts and our talents in level three. So teenagers most often, but you'll also see it in a lot of musicians, artists, people that really don't fit the norm. Lady Gaga is a perfect example of a, of a value level three or belief three. Belief four, we move into family rules. So we return from, I'm so special, I'm unique, I'm a, I'm a black sheep, and we move, we come back to family. You'll often find moms fit here really well. If you work with a lot of moms, you'll hear about family is the most important thing. And they're very selfless, they're very giving, they're martyrs, right? They believe in process, systems, and steps. If you're a strong family person, if you work in government, military, religion, schools, they all fit into this rule kind of category. Then we move into fives. If you're an entrepreneur, like many of the, the, the PTs on here may be, you are an achievement addict, is what I call you. Um, you're entrepreneurial. You're driven for money and achievement. You, you know, we associate words like hustle, faster, stronger, easier, better. We're, we're seeking a goal. We're very goal-oriented in this level. Um, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee are examples that I can think of that are very achievement oriented. Then we go into level six. Level six, we go from being very self-motivated and as achievements to being very world motivated. We often have achieved a lot in our lives and fives. We're high achievers who suddenly recognize that we, there has to be something else to this. We can't just achieve for the sake of achieving and doing it for ourselves. There has to be more to this. So we often come into spirit at this point. Um, I kind of joke sometimes that this is often the people you'll find in Mexico doing ayahuasca retreats or going to Peru and, you know, trying to find themselves, trying to find God or, or their version of God. Um, they often turn away from financial achievement at this point. So we achieve so much that we're like, I don't have to keep working for money anymore. And now we turn to like, what is spiritually sound for us? John Lennon, Nelson Mandela are great examples of this. They're people who achieved a lot in their lives and ultimately were like, it's not about the money. It's about how can I give back in my community? How can I have impact? Then we go into sevens. Sevens move again from, so spiritual souls, it's about everybody. Sevens come back and go, well, hold up. I had the money, then I gave it away and I found God. But now, why can't I find God and make money? Why is that not a possibility? So they really want to make money. Make money. They really want to make money, and they want to have impact. They believe that they can do both. Um, Tony Robbins, Oprah, Russell Brand—great examples of these humans. Um, they're the ones that really have like, we have it all, and we're going to give it away in the celebration and support of the world. And so they're really trying to do bigger things with their money and their opportunities and visions. Number eight. These are harder to define. So the eights are the cosmic connections. These are ascended masters. These are the people that know and understand that we are living a quantum existence on multiple timelines, sometimes all at the same time, and that every single thing we do is affected by somebody else. So I move my hands and this affects somebody else down the road. I write on an email and like millions of people can be affected by the email I write. 
That's where the cosmic connection is. So what's important here when we talk about making connection and how does copy really convert is there's two things you need to understand. What is the belief bubble that your client predominantly sits in? What is the belief bubble that you as the owner sit in? And then just for bonuses, your business also sits in a belief bubble. Your business has a belief system that it abides by. If you know those three things, you can write incredible copy because we write to the client and not to ourselves, which means that typically, so if I am a five, if I'm a high powered entrepreneur and I'm working predominantly with moms and dads who are burnt out, they're family focused, but they are given it all for their kids and there's nothing left for themselves. I need to write to them. I need to speak their language. I need to know how they speak about the problem that they're experiencing, how they're experiencing it. And I need to reverberate those words back to them in the copy. My language and their language may be different. We know this, right? A client may have a presenting problem they walk into your office with and they use words like, oh, you know, my back's sore or my back's tender or I can't lift my kids. And you might know that it's partially about those muscles and those membranes, but there might also be an emotional attachment that you have to deal with. There might be a traumatic injury that you have to deal with or a long-term problem that you're trying to support. You know that the presenting problem is not the real problem. It's just what they're noticing. We need to speak to the thing they're noticing, not to the thing they actually need help with. What, when we do that work is when they're actually our client. They trust us. They know that we understand them by speaking their language. And then the real work can begin. It's not lying to your client. It's called meeting them where they're at. So the best copy meets our clients where they're at so we can take them where they need to go. Yeah, that was great. I took a lot of notes there. Um, and I, so what I'm hearing, the bottom line is know yourself, your business, your the values of your business mm-hmm. so that you're coming from a solid foundation and then really understand your potential clients and really get deep into who they are, what they need, um, maybe what they're fearful of, what they like, dislike, so that you can write to them from a solid from your own solid base. Exactly. You're using their language. Your solid base is where they want to go, you mm-hmm. right? We typically work with clients that are a belief below us or are just like they're in the same belief bubble, but they're just, they're just underneath us in our our beliefs. We have a belief and then we have a neurology. So what often happens is, for example, I tend to sit as I work with a lot of fives. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are really kind of trying to kill it in their business. But if I look at the five, their neurology is already in six. They're already starting to think more spiritual and about there has to be more to this. I'm thinking about impact. So they've got higher level neurology, but the problem is their client is sitting in a four, potentially wanting to become a five. I have to meet them in the four, in the language where they first meet me. So the language where your client first meets you, in case you haven't figured it out yet, typically it's your website, your social media. That's where your client first meets you. So it's super, super important that we speak their language, not necessarily our language, when we first meet them. Once we get to know them, once they're involved in our processes a little bit more, once they've been part of things, I might offer a book that's more in my belief bubble, my language for them. 
because I know that they're going to work with me for a little bit and we're going to get them there. But to start with, I have to meet them where they're at. They're not going to understand me. Coaches are the worst for this. I'll use a great coaching example. Coaches will say things like, I, I do quantum timeline therapy, or I'm somebody who uh, does quantum releases or breakthroughs. Your client has no idea what that means. I was just going to say, um, I don't know what that means at all. Exactly. And every coach who, who does those things goes, well, duh, I know what that means. But your client who has never worked as a coach has no clue what we're talking about. The same thing happens in PT, right? You have things that you know what this specific thing is. But if you said those words to a client, a client would go, excuse me, what? What is that? So we need to go, okay, hold on. So this, this complicated process that we do, how do we reframe it in a way that our client's going to understand it? How, what is it in their language? And if it's as simple as a massage that releases your back pain and allows you to functionally lift your children again, then that's the way you explain it. Instead of a, you know, repetitive injury release tension system, whatever the, whatever the phrase would be in PT. I'm, clearly I'm not a PT, but you want to break it down to what are they saying and how is this going to relate to them? And the best tool you can do is if we go back to that love letter languaging, rather than trigger them by being like, you have this problem and this problem and this problem. If we then speak into the power of what they can create by doing the work with us, that's better. So if I can say, I'm going to create the ability for you to keep up with your kids lift them longer, um, have more energy and stamina to like go three rounds in the bedroom at night if you want, whatever it is. If I use the language of what the outcome of working with you is versus just the trigger of why they showed up in the first place, they're going to be much more likely to stay on board. The world is triggering enough. We don't need to see it in our copy. We do need to show them that we understand them, we feel their pain, but what we need to express more often than not is what is the outcome of working with me? If you work with me, I will do X. You will feel X times better. You will have the ability to do X, Y, and Z that you couldn't do before. That is much more compelling than simply saying, stop hurting. Right, right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Or just try and relax right? That's another one that we hear a lot. Yeah. It's like never in the history of the world has someone relaxed by someone say, just saying, we'll help you relax. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. so like, what are you it's talking the, about? It's the ultimate oxymoron, right? Like tell somebody <laughs> right. to relax and they're immediately going to be like, I will not relax. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's impossible for me, right? And um, I catch myself doing it too. Like, don't be right. And my like, words that come out of my mouth, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's not going to help the situation at all. It's great. Just... But in our copy, we have a chance to be really clear and to really understand the belief system our client might be understanding or going through. So if you're telling a busy mom to just relax, she's probably not going to be too receptive. However, yeah. if you tell her that she's going to be able to appreciate the moments with her family more by doing this work, that's a much more enticing and appealing approach to her. Yeah, no, that's a great example. Thank you for that. Um, what advice do you have for folks who uh, are trying to get their, whether it's their website or social media or wherever copy may land, 
What advice do you have for them if they're like, I, I just have no idea what to do here? Like, I I am like, because again, you'll hear again and again, I'm not a writer. I don't know what to say. So what advice do you have for people in that situation? I mean, of course, the selfish thing to say here is aside, right. Aside okay, from higher. Right, right, right. Aside from that, though, the, the, the thing that I would say is this. <clears throat> Start with the understanding of the belief bubble that somebody's in. Start by really listening to your clients. How do they talk about their presenting problem? And mimic it back to them. The easiest thing you can do is your clients will tell you exactly what to write because they're already telling you in clinical sessions with you every single time what is my problem? Literally write it verbatim and keep yourself a list. Oh, how many times did I hear mom say, I can't lift my kids? Oh, that's probably a problem that they're really interested in getting sorted out. How many times did I hear people say, I struggle to bend over and lift boxes? Okay, maybe I need to focus on the ability, like functional movement and the ability to lift things. Functional movement is jargon speak for us. But for a client, the ability to lift boxes with ease, are you kidding me? That's a great tool. So start listening to your clients if you want to write better. The second thing that you're going to do is honestly start following and paying attention to your numbers. How many of your emails get opened? How many things get clicked? How many people visit your website? How many people leave your website? How many people show up or how many people get your email and you get snarky responses back, right? If you're finding yourself in a situation where a lot of your emails are short and snarky, you probably have a problem with writing love letters. You might want to check that out. But if we look at the numbers, the numbers don't lie. The numbers tell us and point to the problem. And then our clients will literally tell us how to fix it. For me, there's two places I would always start. I would start updating your website, making your website in the belief bubble and language of your client. And I would have a look at your emails and see if there's a way that even with two or three sentences, you could make them more loving, kind, and allow your client to be seen. And if you do those simple two things, and I say simple, but I obviously know it's not your forte, but if you seriously take those things and implement some minor changes to things, Watch your clients start to shift their ability to work with you, their ability to show up, to start being more vulnerable with you, speaking more openly with you, and really deeply connecting with you. And from there, they'll tell you exactly what to write. And if all else fails, then you come to somebody like me, and we start talking about the strategy behind it. But the simple solution to start, emails and website, start there. I love it. And I love... Uh, that you said when you're listening to your clients, just jot stuff down, like make a list of things you're hearing over and over again, and then just put that on your website or put that yeah. into an email. Yeah. It's I mean, so it easy. seems like a no brainer, but like, why, why did I not think of this? <laughs> and most of us don't, right? Like it goes in one ear or the other. You might be doing an intake with a client and hearing them and they're talking about struggling to pick up their kids and you're busy writing, you know, they've got a lumbar problem or a back pain issue. You're putting it into your language. If you simply wrote down exactly what they said a few times over, and you don't even have to do this for long. Like I'm talking like 
take two or three days, like six or six or eight clients even. And you'll start to hear repetitive patterns in your clients. You probably intuitively know them. You've just turned them into PT speak. So take them out of PT speak and put them back into client speak. Change that on your website. Make sure that your website itself is written like a love letter, that it allows your client to feel seen and valued and heard. Give them the safe space. It's not about you, it's about them. So if your website has a lot of eyes in it, change it to we or they or you. It is not about you, it is about them. So the number one tool after listening to your client is make it about them. If your website currently is all about you and what you do, just flip the script, make it about them. You are going to feel so much better when we work on your ability to lift your kids. Feel so much better than I help moms be able to lift their kids because that feels so impersonal. Right? Yeah. So we always want to put that personality back into it, that love back into it. So if you do those couple of things, you're immediately going to start to see incremental conversion challenges where things are, are not challenges, but opportunities for you where you're going to get more conversion. And then the next step is, of course, going in with a deeper strategy around how do we build all of your pieces together so that it's always about the client. It's always spoken from love. It's ethical copy, meaning that it's not triggering. It's really about pleasure for the person. So pleasure copy versus triggering copy is a great tool for people to be able to utilize. So pleasure copy is all about calling people in by giving them the real results and the inspiration that they are going to receive by doing the work with you. Because first and foremost, when we're purchasers, we want to know what can you do for me? Not what's the like physical aspect, not the like manipulation of my body, not the tools around mindset. We don't care about that stuff. It's not the how we're going to get there. It's the what am I going to get? How am I going to do that? So that's what somebody actually wants. So I would say if you can go into pleasure, copy and writing pleasure. So don't trigger them instead, inspire them, talk to them in love letter language and speak in their belief system, not your own keys to converting and actually catalyzing conversation, which is truly the key to convert. I mean, such great tips. I, like I said before, I've been taking so many notes and thinking about, oh, does my website do this? So now I'm going to have to go do an an edit of my website. So thanks a lot for adding a little more work onto the plate. No, I'm just joking. It's good work. (laughs) It's good work. It's good work. Um, This was great. What, um, What would you like the audience to take away from this conversation concerning um, copy and how we can connect and how we can convert. And ultimately, cause if we have a business, I mean, we do want to make money, right? We're not yeah. all in the, the world motivated where, where we've made a whole bunch of money and now we can give it away, but we do want to make money and we do want to make an impact. So what, uh, what are the things that you want the audience to take away from? So I think the first thing is, Know your beliefs, know the beliefs of your client, know the beliefs of your business, write to your client's beliefs first. Knowing your beliefs is helpful because it will, it will show you what the gap is between your beliefs and your client's beliefs. And that's important to understand because it's often about jargon or lingo. Keep that out of your copy. Speak to the pleasure. Talk about the results you're going to create for their client. Inspire them to live a life 
better than they currently have by doing this work with you. Um, speak into that more than you speak into their pain, right? We're, the life, life is literally triggering enough right now. Stop focusing on pain. Instead, start focusing on the pleasure that they're going to get working with you. And finally, move into love letter language. So love letter language is just taking a couple extra, and this is rare for a copywriter to say, but add a couple sentences, show them that they're seen, show them that you hear them, allow them to be vulnerable with you by asking great questions that encourage that vulnerability from them. And you really utilize that. And if all else fails after that, call a copywriter. That's what we're here for. But you can do this. It is completely possible to do your copy in a way that is fully aligned and a way that is loving to your client and immediately gets you conversion. We only up that by working with copywriters, but start doing it on your own. Everybody should do it on their own first and call us second. And speaking of hiring a copywriter, where can people find you if they have questions or they want to hire you as their copywriter? <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Word magic copywriting. Dot com is my website. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Send me a smoke signal or a, a text message or whatever from there. Um, otherwise, find me on Instagram at Word Magic Copywriting. Pretty simple. Um, I'm always around. I've always got a free class coming up too. So there's usually a wait list on my website to get into my next free class where I teach and I talk about specifically how do you combine these things and how do you how do you put it all together. So if you're interested in learning, you can always take one of my free classes. And then if you just want to hire me, we can go that route as well. Um, but I love it when people simply connect. And at the very least, I promise you, if you sign up for my e-newsletter, I send tips and tricks all the time. So if you want to do it on your own in small bits and pieces, that's a great way to learn. Perfect. And we'll have links to everything Crystal just said at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com uh, under this episode. So one link, a little quick click, and we'll take you to everything. So take her free class, follow her on Instagram and get the newsletter. Okay, Crystal, last question. And so when I ask everyone, and that is knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Ooh, juicy questions. I would tell my younger self to follow your zone of genius first. And what I mean by that is I actually spent two decades as a live event professional. Um, I was always a writer. I was a writer from the time I could write. Um, I won awards for it. I always wanted to write. And then I followed the money and I went into events and I kind of let my copywriting and my writing kind of slide a little bit. I mean, I was writing New York Times bestsellers at 16. Like it was brilliant. And I let it slide because the money was better in events. And I slipped in and events became my zone of excellence. And I did it for two decades. But there was always a little piece of me that felt unfulfilled because I wasn't just a writer. And that's what I wanted. Um, and when I left events and just started writing, everything got easy. It was like I hit the easy button on my zone of genius and started doing work I was super passionate about, stuff I loved. I got to, you know, work in strategy and marketing because copy is a lot about strategy and humans. So a lot of the work I did in events actually magically comes into play on copy. But working in my zone of genius, I think from the get-go would have changed everything for me. I would have felt so much more fulfilled, so much younger. 
and so much more lit up by this work. Um, so yeah, I would have told my younger self to follow your love of writing, follow your zone of genius first. What great advice. Crystal, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing all these tips and tricks to help us write better copy, whether that's on our website or our newsletters or our social media. So thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.